read in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 today, that when we all enter into the vision of John, and at some point you will be in round the throne, and you'll see a rainbow, the Bible says. It won't be a half rainbow. It's going to be a complete circle. You know what that means? That means all the heartache you brought in here and all of the confusion in your life will be ended. Now, we know that's true for those that are there now. But for you and I, we still have battles to fight. We still have trouble to face. We still see, we're still possibly going to see death. You know, I don't know how young you are, but now when you get to my age and next, is this March? Next month on the 9th, I'll be 64. I think about death all the time now. Now, when I was a kid, I didn't think about that. When I was a teenager, I didn't think about death. When I was in my 40s or 50s, I didn't think about no colonoscopy. I didn't think about cancer. I didn't think about none of that stuff. But now I do. And you see, I think sometimes, if no for no other reason, you and I need to just trust what Jesus says. Amen? Do you believe what Jesus says? Even though you don't always understand maybe the teaching that he is sharing, do you believe what he says? Do you believe that he tells the truth? Well, then turn, turn to Luke 14 because... This is not going to be a Joel Osteen message. You know, I don't care what Joel Osteen preaches on. It just sounds positive, don't it? And some of you say, I don't listen to it. Well, every once in a while, I'll turn it on because I want to hear something positive. I don't care. I believe in, of course, he doesn't believe in, or at least I heard him say on one talk show that he didn't believe because they asked him why he didn't preach on sin, he, he, he acted like he didn't understand what that was all about. Well, I understand what that's all about. And you're not going to snow me. I know you, many of you are here today. You're knee-deep in it. But I don't want to talk about your individual sin. I want to talk about do you really believe what Jesus says? Because if you believe what Jesus says, you'll be like my wife when I tell my wife, I say, I love you. And if she were to say, do you really love me? I said, yeah, man, I really love you. Well, you know the next question, right? Or, or comment, then you need to prove it. Now, that gets into a whole different category. It's, for, it's, it's wonderful for you and I to say, Whoa, I'm saved to the uttermost. God, Jesus is in my heart. But does it show? Has it made a difference? Because if you say you believe in Jesus, you, you got to hear these verses. Verse 25. Jesus said great crowds were following Jesus. You know why, right? Son, he was healing there were all kind of neat stuff and miracles taking place. And people were following him because they were curious. Verse 26. He turned around, and this is what Jesus said to him. If you want to be my follower, 
then you must love me more than you do your father and your mother and your wife and your children. Now, why he didn't say grandchildren? The brothers and sisters, yes, you must love me more than you love your own selfish life. You say, what you talking about, Mike? I'm not talking about it. I'm just reading what Jesus said. If we say that we want to follow him and we want to be his disciple and we want to say we love him and we want to say that he is number one in our life, Jesus said, then my love for you that you and I have for him must be preeminent. It must be priority. Over and above all. Is it? He then went on to say, if it's not, now I'm not saying this. I'm just reading it. (laughs) If it's not, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus. And If you do not carry your own cross, cross speaking of what? Well, deliverance, but also death, suffering. You know, I'm convinced if we had to live like the early Christians do and we were getting our head cut off for the name of Jesus, I don't even know if the house would have this many today. If we knew that when we went out, they were going to cut our heads off for our faith in Jesus. Oh, we look good. We talk good. We think. We try to think good. We try to say we're, we're followers. We try to say, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Really? One day we're going to have to answer for that. We're going to have to stand before the throne and give an account of every idle word, every idle deed, everything we do or did and everything we didn't. But, Lord, you know I love you, he said to Peter. And Peter said, feed my sheep. Verse 28. But don't begin until you count the cost. Wait a minute. I signed up for this glory train. I didn't know it was a cost involved. Didn't you say, Mike, that salvation was free? Didn't you say that salvation wouldn't cost me anything? No, but it cost Jesus everything. But now we're not talking about you getting saved, are we? We're talking about you following him. We're talking about you becoming a disciple We're talking about you pleasing Jesus and being in love with Jesus enough that you show it, prove it. Told you this wasn't going to be Joel Osteen. For who would begin construction of a building without first getting estimates and checking to see if there's enough money to pay the bills? 
Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of funds. And then how everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started the building but ran out of money because it wasn't finished. Or because it was finished. Or before it was finished, excuse me. Verse 31. What king would ever dream of going to battle or war without first sitting down with his counselors and discussing whether his army of 10,000 is strong enough to stand up against the army of 20,000? If he's not able, then while the enemy is still far away, he would send a delegation to discuss the terms of peace so no one would become to... So, so he says no one can be my disciple without giving up everything for me. Verse 34, salt is for good seasoning. But if it loses its flavor, how will you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil or the, for the, for the, or, nor for the fertilizer. It's thrown away. Anyone who's willing to hear should listen and understand. I don't know how many of you fool with the stock market. I quit a long time ago and just left that up. Somebody smarter than I was. And don't have that much to worry about anyway. But you see, when you go to the stock market, you'll find a group of investors called term day traders. What term day traders do, they don't read the stock. They don't care anything about the stock. They don't care anything about the company. They jump in in a day, buy the stock, and jump out at the end hoping to make some money. But they're not worried about whether that's what that stock does. It doesn't matter what they support. They don't care. All they're worried about is the money. There's another kind, a group of investors known as dot-com investors. They look for the internet companies, especially those with the dot-com at the end of their names. They spend little time researching the firms or stocks, and, and, and they don't care about, uh, whether, about anything other than they think that price is going to jump within the day, and they pull out. They could care less. Jesus turned to a crowd that could have cared less. And here's what he said. Ladies and gentlemen, if you will not consider the turmoil or the trouble or the investment as, first of all, a builder, you cannot be my disciple. Now, what's he talking about? What is he referring to? How many of you have ever built a house on your own? Raise your hand. You've done it on your own. You didn't get a builder. You just did it and subbed it all out. Did you move into it? I get a little leery of the people who are willing to build one but won't move into it. The last three houses over the last 30 years I have built, one was in Jackson Lake Road, 4927. Then, dear, six, what was our address in Deer Step? 600 Deep Step, not Deer Step. <laughs> Thinking hunting. Deep Step. And then now at 760 Cochrane Road. 
You say, you giving out your address? Yeah, come by and see me, man. I'd love to see you. You can come to my house anytime you want to. Hey, if you want to, come feed my bird dogs, would you? You can mow my grass. I don't care. But I spent time building those houses. I pastored the church on every one of them. I did everything that I could not let those building those houses get involved or get in the way. But you know what I had to learn? That when you start, you have to get permits. Now, sometimes I've been guilty of messing around, getting in trouble on that kind of stuff. But I have, I have been redeemed. I have been revived. But now, when I built my houses, I knew better. And I'd get those grading permits. And then I'd watch the Larry Smith come out there and start grading my lots. And I'd, I'd just get all excited. And then it'd set in raining. Y'all ever had that happen to you? Good golly. I said, God, you mad at me? The house I'm building in, I didn't think it was ever going to quit. I thought, forget building the house. We need to build a boat. It's the craziest thing I ever saw. But I had to get prices for Brian at Newton Federal at the bank. I had to price out that house. I had to spend time getting, making sure that everything that fit the budget, and then we had to have an estimate of the house of what was it technically going to cost. I had to meet with carpenters and sheetrockers and electricians and plumbers and roofers and painters and, and all that. And, and I'm going, I love this because I wasn't doing it myself. Used to, I tried to do some of that stuff myself. About wearing myself out. It's gotten to the point I don't even want to pick up a skill saw anymore. And I, I told you last Sunday I used to be an old framer. I, I've hung sheetrock, done roofing, painting. I've done everything but the three mechanics. And I know how to do it. I don't like it no more. But Jesus said, unless I follow him like a builder builds a house, I cannot be his disciple. What does that mean? That means casual Christianity has no place in the vocabulary of Jesus. Hitting and missing, coming once a month, coming when I want to. For 41 years, I was 22 years old when I entered in the ministry, when I went to school. I'm going to tell you something. I didn't like school when I went to school from grammar school to high school. I did not like school. Now, some of you love school, and you continue to love school. <laughs> I get in trouble telling what I think. But this old country boy from Knoxville, Tennessee, went to college. I've got one of them degrees hanging on the wall. If I could just find it in my office. Done my office done changed so many times I can't find nothing. Those degrees mean nothing if I'm not willing with the same intensity that I, and every one of the houses I built in the last three years, I went and lived in them for about eight years, ten years. And whatever wasn't right, guess what? (laughs) I had to fix it or call in somebody to fix it. Now, look, I can't lay brick. 
But I know when it looks right, and I know when it don't look right. I, I, I don't know much about plumbing. I don't know much about electricity. I don't, I don't know a whole lot about heat and air. Don't care to know. But I find people who do know, and they know how to fix it, and they know the, how to explain it, even though I don't understand a thing they're saying. Jesus said, as a builder, you must be dedicated. You must be committed. You must be willing to follow me even if it means loving me more than father, mother, wife, child, whoever, if you're going to be my disciple. It's an amazing thing today, and I don't want want you to go out here feeling like, good Lord, he took a ball back and wore me out today. But Jesus was taking a ball bat and wearing folk out who were claiming, I love Jesus, until it cost you something. Until it might have mean you don't stay at home and, and use the excuse, well, I don't have any other day to sleep but Sunday. That's a rotten excuse. What if he took that excuse up and when he died, was fixing to die on the cross, said, oh, by the way, I'm just too tired today. I'm not going to die for you today on the cross. Are you kidding me? Are you for real? Ladies and gentlemen, as a builder, some of you go, ooh, I'm glad I don't apply to me because I ain't no builder. Jesus was the builder, but he also saved you to be a builder in a strong Christian faith. And you can't follow him in faith if you're going to use every cotton-picking, rotten, stinking, goofy excuse of why you can't do something. And I promise you, Your jobs are not going to be an excuse when you stand before Jesus and say, I'm sorry, Lord. I had to work 50 hours a week. He don't care. Look, if he would take preeminent love over mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, child, grandchild, friend, brother, sister... What makes you think that all of a sudden your, your job is going to take preeminence over your discipleship of following him? It's not. So quit using it as an excuse. Tell the truth. I just don't have the desire to be there, Mike. I just don't feel like going to church. Please be honest. Because honesty is important. If you want to be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, then you've got to build as a builder would build. I'm talking about a good and not a bad. Y'all ever run up into some bad builders? Woo, I have. I used to run trim in the early days I, for Bill Norton, and I never could get Doug Doster's work, but, but, and I love them both. But I used to do all of Bill Norton's trim in Laurel Ridge back when that subdivision was being built. And honestly, there were some framers I was trying to trim behind that, and I was a preacher, it got me borderline cussing. Now, I didn't say them, I just wrote them down. But by the way, if you're thinking them, you just will say them. 
to Jesus. I, I'm, when I trim something out, I want it to be square. Amen? If you're a builder, you want things to be square. You want things to be right. If, you're, if your framing's not right and it's out of square, oop, when the cabinets come in and the floors begin to be run, and the tile, oh, you're going to go, oh, my Lord, why does that look funny like that? Because your house not square. And a good framer and a good block person or a concrete person, they'll get your house square. And, and it's very important. Ladies and gentlemen, you can spend all of that time, and we should as a builder, making sure that everything is right. But Jesus said when it comes to your spiritual life, you should spend the same kind of effort or you're not going to grow. I like to think of it like this. If it were true that the houses weren't already built, and I believe Jesus has built, built, built all that stuff. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that we're sending on the material. But if we were, <laughs> if we were sending the material on, based, um, material on to heaven based on our discipleship, some of us would live in shacks, outhouses. Why? Because we ain't sending much on. We're too selfish. We want it our way. Preachers today, they tell me they won't visit the hospitals anymore. They, they, don't, they don't believe in, 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 in a lot of the stuff that I was trained as by the old preachers coming up. I, 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 I settled under them. Preacher Adams, Hugh Gilbert, other pastors that were older than I was. And, and they said, man, if it isn't all about winning people to Jesus, if it isn't about caring about people instead of sitting behind a desk with your name on it and your degrees on the wall, that means nothing to Jesus. Man, if we're not in here because of people, if we're not... If, if, you, if you're up close to Jesus and, and you don't feel close to him or you don't feel close to other people or you're not concerned about whether they go to heaven or not, I got news for you. You're not, you're not no, uh, cuddling up the same Jesus I do because every time I get close, I fall under conviction. I fall under mandates that I'm to be a builder. Then he talks about in verse 31, 33, a battle. He said, what king would ever dream of going to war without first sitting down with his counselors, with his commanders, and discussing, get this, <laughs> discussing how 10,000 men are going to whoop, whoop up on 20,000. Come on. Well, I kind of know what that feels like. Listen, it feels a little bit better having here two, 300 than it did when I started with 15 because there were times I felt like I'm losing. I, the battle's not being won to see, from what I can see. Satan's having a heyday, and I get discouraged. But then I remember, look, let me worry about the people who are one to Jesus. Let me worry about those that I call. Let me, you just scatter the seed. You just preach the word. You just preach the gospel. You just preach and tell them how they ought to live because I'm going to remind them when they get there they should have listened because you told them. You told them. They just didn't listen. Well, what about this battle? 
Well, I can promise you this. Since 1989 here for 30 years, and from 1982 to 1989, I pastored Centennial Baptist Church in Morgan County. I pastored Bethlehem First Baptist. I took over for a short period of time, Wesley Hills, and I had a student pastorate. And in those 10 years, I saw all kind of battles. Some people were winning and some were losing. Those battles are inward. And and the enemy is doing all he can to make you feel like that when you sit down and you look at the task, you can't get it accomplished. But listen, that is exactly a God-sized accomplishment because God doesn't want you figuring it out. He doesn't want you. He wants you to rely on him. I mean, do you think every Sunday I get up here, I don't struggle during the week trying to find out what it is he wants you to hear on Sunday? And after 30 years, that gets old. You know what would be easier for me? Just jump in a book and stay in it. And I'm not saying that that's not a good thing. But when the Lord puts things on my heart and in my mind and, and through the Word of God that He wants shared with you, and then when I preach it, I go home and I don't think no more about it because it's on you now. I got to live what I say, but you do too. Why? Because Jesus said it. Remember what I said in the beginning? Do you believe what Jesus said? Because he said, you cannot be my disciple unless you're willing to go into battle. You've got to be a soldier. You've got to be one who doesn't mind taking shots. (laughs) Some people just can't take criticism, can they? Their egos and pride is so, uh, so tall and so wide and, and so surrounding. You can't t- have anybody to tell you what you're doing wrong. You better learn, at least from, from my perspective, in my position, I got people telling me what I do wrong all the time. As a fact, matter of fact, they'll go even further to tell me where to go. And I don't want to go to that place. I want to go to heaven. And that's why I make sure I'm right with Jesus. You gotta, you gotta have a thicker skin than that, guys. You don't think Jesus didn't have a thick skin when he went to the cross for you? When he died for you? And then, thirdly, he said, You must. And he gave this illustration of a baker. Look at verse 34. He said, What good is salt, or salt is good for seasoning? But if it doesn't have, if it loses its flavor, how does it make you salty again? Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'll make this real simple. If you're worldly, and all you think about is the world, you are not considered salty spiritually. Now, you must commit your heart and your life in dedication and commitment, not to me, but to Him. He needs to mean something. The lost people around you should, should, should uh, burden your heart. Look, if we're going to be a disciple, that means how many of you have even ever been a part of a small discipleship group? In, in the upcoming months ahead, we're going to start talking about having discipleship groups on Sunday. Evening, I guarantee you, oh, I I'm going to spend time with my family on Sunday. Well, then you won't come to discipleship. But don't stand up and say, I'm a disciple for Jesus. 
if you're not in a discipleship program. He uses the baker in terms of the salt. (laughs) What good is the salt? Did you know salt is a miracle? Did you know that? Salt is a miracle. Did you know that? Are you asleep? You know, I felt like today the biorhythms are low. Y'all know what that means? How many know what a biorhythm? Raise your hand. That's what I figured. I got something now I know you don't know except Brian. Y'all look like the biorhythm is low today. That means you got up today and you feel like somebody done run over you with a truck except you don't have the tire treads on your head. How many of you felt, got up today and felt sluggish? Be honest. Raise your hand. I knew it. I took, I took drugs when I got up this morning. Now, let me explain the drugs before you lose, lose your test. I lose my testimony. It's called Alive. Y'all know what a vitamin called Alive is? Well, if you don't think that don't wake you up, if you don't think that don't make you mentally, and, and, and I took my Nexium because I knew I was going to get heartburn after this message. And if I didn't get it, you were. Salt is a miracle because it is chemically composed of sodium and chloride. Now, you pour a little hydrochloric acid in your hand, and I promise you, you will not be a happy camper. You drink hydraulic, uh, hydraulic. If you drink that, and it's a form of acid, you'll die quickly. But if you put those two together, add sodium and hydrochloride, you have salt, and it's one of the most useful substances on planet Earth. Salt was very valuable in the day of Jesus. How many of you like salt on your food? Raise your hand. Oh, get it up there to you. Okay. I should have had more salt at the wild game so far. I can say that right now. Salt adds flavor. Now, what does that mean? That means when people look at you on your workplace during the week, and when your grandchildren come to visit you, and when you're around the holidays, do they look at you like you're salt, flavorful? making an impact, a difference, or you just look like everybody else? Does Sunday go with you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday? I mean, does Jesus make an impact? For 41 years, I haven't been a perfect disciple, and I've made mistakes, and I've done wrong, but I say, Jesus, do whatever you can to make this mind and this heart and this body follow you not me because I can't pull nothing off except my clothes and then you need counseling if that happens I close with this a Sunday school teacher was talking to their class one time and, and he said boys here's a watch What is that watch for? They said to tell time. He said, okay. Well, suppose the watch doesn't keep time. What's it good for? They said, it's good for nothing. He then took a pencil. And and he said, now what's this pencil for? 
He said, that pencil is to write with. He said, well, supposedly the pencil didn't work. What good would it be? And they said, good for nothing. He took out a pocket knife. If I can find mine. Got wires and everything. Oh, gosh, I still got blood on mine from cleaning them quail the other day. But anyway, here's a knife. He said, boys, if that knife don't cut anything, if that knife doesn't have a blade, what good is it? He said, good for nothing. And then he looked at him and said, boys, whatever else you do, if you do not glorify God by the way you live, and bring others to the glory of God and glorify Him. What good are you? And they said, Teacher, we're good for nothing. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I told you in the beginning. Now, I warned you. This was no Joel Osteen message. But what good are you? Are you a disciple? Are you dedicated? Are you committed? Or are you just going to feel good because I made you feel guilty and go home and forget it from Monday to Saturday till next Sunday? What good are you? Let me tell you what good Jesus is. When he came into my heart, he stopped me from drinking, smoking dope. Now, I think still every once in a while I get mad enough and still think cussing. I tell you the truth. I just don't say it. And it's just as wrong, and I have to ask God to forgive me. But that means I have to watch my eyes. I have to watch my mind and what I think and what I say and what I do. If it doesn't impact us like that, it's not what Jesus is talking about. I asked you in the beginning, do you believe what Jesus says? Because exactly what he's saying, as a builder in the battle or as salt as a, that a baker would use, if you're not making an impact or you're of no value, what good are we? With your head bent.